Today's podcast is brought to you by RetouchUp.com. RetouchUp wants to be your photo editing partner. They help you streamline your workflow to keep you doing what you do best, shooting, selling, or just enjoying life. Listen later in the show for how you can receive a special discount code from RetouchUp.com. You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Bure Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. How long does it take from you getting in the front door of your house, coming in from a day of shooting or whatever, to get into sweatpants? How long does that take? Like from the time you walk through the door to the time you're in your comfy sweatpants, what's the length of time? That's a good question, and I can tell you that whatever the answer is, it's not fast enough. <laughs> I hate that. Same. I have become that guy. I was never ever this guy, and maybe it's because I'll be forty next year, so I'm getting to the, I'm getting into a different time in my life. But I used to just fall asleep in my blue jeans, man. I didn't care. Like you know, he's just sleep in my clothes, wake up the next day, do it all over again. And now I get home, and my girls they come running at me, and there's a wee hug, and then I, I you know, I'm struggling to put my stuff down because they're hanging off my arms and legs. I'm like, hang on, girls. Daddy's got to go put on his sweatpants. Like, that's, that's, that's the point of life I'm at is, like, first things first, put my stuff down. First of all, everybody, I give all three kids the Heisman, and then on come the sweatpants. And you know what? I'm not mad about it because it's glorious. The sweatpants are glorious? Oh, those, the sweatpants in particular are glorious, but that sweatpants life. Sweatpants good. <laughs> that sweatpants life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like cold weather because it gives you an excuse to wear sweatpants more. Dude, you and I both love like the heavy, soft, heavy clothing. Yeah. You know, like we both are have you know, I'm wearing one right now. Just it's just I have to have the AC turned to sixty eight in the studio just so I can wear this shirt, but I like it so much. I would so love to live in a place where I got to wear sweatpants more often, you know? Like we have to we have to have the AC pretty cold in our house just to get away with the sweatpants. Yeah, I, I would too, but not if it means that someone has to shovel my driveway. You know, I don't I don't want to live anywhere. I don't want to live anywhere where shoveling is a part of your daily existence. Yeah, no, I'm I'm down with that. Like we already have lawns to mow, weeds to pull, pools to clean, and then add to that shoveling snow just sounds like no fun at all. No. And uh yeah, I'm not into that. But I'm talking about moving somewhere where it's like maybe you get a little bit of snow, but it's not like it doesn't you know, with the average snowfall is maybe right. seven or eight inches a year or something like that. I'm talking about a little place called Idaho Falls. I, I lived in North Louisiana, and it was like it would, it would snow like every three years, and you'd have snow for like two days. Everything would shut down, and it was glorious, and then that was it. And the rest of the time, you never had snow, but in the summer, your whole face would melt off. Yeah, yeah. It's- <laughs> every year. So th- there's, like, there's no place you can live where you really get the best of both worlds. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I agree. And, and when someone talks about where they're from being hot, you know, because us, us living in Florida, we have a unique perspective on what heat is when people complain about the heat. And one of the only times I will acknowledge someone else's understanding of, of, of hot weather is if they're from Louisiana. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a swamp. It's just a swamp there. The humidity is the worst part for everywhere. I mean, I spent the last two days cutting down a tree and tearing up a deck at my house. You're doing it yourself? Yes, all by myself. And it was 90 degrees. And the humidity is like you could you could take a cup and just spin in a circle and have a glass of water. That's like that's the level of humidity that we have here in Florida. And it's just oppressive. I mean, you're just your your shirt is soaked through 10 minutes. You haven't even done anything yet. So back up a second. You were you you had to to work on your deck yourself. Yes. Because I did see you put it out there that you wanted to tear up your deck and replace replace it. So you're out there playing with your deck and. Why are you doing it yourself? You didn't find a person? I couldn't find anyone to help me with my deck. Oh. In fact, my wife pretty much insisted that I work on my deck alone. Oh. Well, I mean, if money's a problem, you can always, if you have enough money, someone will do work on your deck for you. Yeah, that's true. But I feel that many times that uh, if you pay someone to work on your deck, that they're not really going to give you the same satisfaction as if you work on your deck yourself because you 
you have more experience with your deck, more hands-on experience, really. That's true. That's true. Well, you know, if Bobby won't help you with your deck, you have the right to absolutely pay somebody to come in and work on your deck for you. Well, that's debatable. Uh, my wife, I think, would say that that's not the case. I think I think many wives would say that uh, just because I'm not going to help you with the deck doesn't mean that you can just go spend money and have someone else help you with the deck. You're just going to have to learn to live with you working on the deck alone. That's that's just the way it's going to be. Sounds very unfair. I personally, I personally disagree. I personally feel that yeah, if you're not going to help me with the deck, then hey, I should be able to just go get someone else to help me with the deck. But I would be in the minority. I think. If you've washed your hands of the deck, then then let me get someone else to help me with the deck. That seems reasonable. I think so, too. But uh, unfortunately, I think most uh, many wives would not agree with that. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they just love to see you working on your own deck, you know. Oh, no, no. She didn't. <laughs> she didn't like to watch that either. <laughs> she tell me to go work on the deck, but she didn't want to come out there and watch me work on the deck. She doesn't even watch. No. Uh, it's pretty disgusting when you think about it. Yeah, just all the sweating and grunting. Yeah, you know. It's, it's, yeah, it's, you don't want to. You don't. You don't watch a fifty-six-year-old guy work on the deck. Okay, question: When you're working on your deck, do you take your shirt off or do you leave your shirt on? I leave my shirt on. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I leave my shirt on. Yeah. Okay. I try to wear comfortable clothes, though. Yeah. Okay. Sweatpants. Uh, well, no. I mean, because it's so hot, so shorts. Like elastic, elastic shorts, you know, something, something, something's going to be comfortable because I'm going to be working on the deck. For, I mean, first of all, it's not an easy job. I'm going to work on the deck. It's going to take a long time. And when I was a young man, I could have gone out there and just knocked out the deck in no time. But now, you know, it, it probably, it took me two days and it could have, normally I would have knocked that out probably in half a day. So it's much, the older you get, the more time you have to spend on the deck to get it where you want it to be. It's really just a matter of getting started on the deck. Like even getting to the point where you can start working takes a little, like the prep time. Yeah, because I really should, I really, yeah, I should have done it sooner. And it's just, it's just really, you know, getting started on the deck. It was the hardest part. The, the prep time is, takes longer the older you get, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have the same tools I've always had, but they're not as effective. So, you know, because there's, there's, you know, so it was a lot, of, it, it, was, it was a lot of work. And now that it's finished and I have, and I've finished destroying the deck, uh, you just don't even want to take a look at that area. It's just awful. Just bombed out, depleted. Yeah, it's just awful. It's just, it's just, yeah. There's just this sh- little bits of shrub and stuff in there, and and and, and oh, there's tons of stuff under the deck. I didn't even know were there. This is the weeds gotten out of control in and around the deck. The weeds are definitely out of control. That's one of the reasons that the deck had to be worked on. All right. Well, <laughs> so moving forward, moving forward with the deck. Right. What's next with the deck? Um, really can't afford to rebuild the deck. That's expensive. Very. Yeah, very expensive to rebuild the deck, so I can't really do that right now. So I think that probably we're just going to have to live with the deck as it is, and which is to say, you know, pretty much non-functioning. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not, not, really much of a, not really much of a deck to look at. Yeah, really. yeah like it used to be utility, and, and now it's not even... Oh, yeah, yeah. We used the deck all the time. <laughs> the deck was great. But now it's just uh, this sad pile of pieces and lost dreams i guess out there yeah just broken broken dreams yeah so i mean that's where we are and i guess maybe sometime in the future uh maybe uh, there's some hope for rejuvenating the deck maybe every once in a while you just go out there and, and just you know for old time's sake you know use the deck a little bit you do you think that but then sometimes uh, once you're finished using the deck you know for old time's sake like that it's just depressing because you just have to compare the state of the deck today to the way the deck was. You know, you, you want to remember the past glory of the deck. Yeah, remember it as it was. I yeah. just close the blinds, cover it up, and just, you know, just remember it how it used to be. By all means, don't, you don't want to see, you don't want to look at the deck unless you have to. You don't want to, like, catch a glance because it can ruin your day. Like, if you just, you know, just whatever, you're in the kitchen and you look over and you see the deck in the shape it's in today and it's, you know, just depressing. So, yeah. So I've got that to, to look forward and... to. No, it's not something to look forward to. So just kind of kind of block it out. I'll do my best. So what else is going on? Uh, I have my first COVID wedding this weekend. Oh, coming up this weekend. Yeah, coming up. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be a big to-do, but now it's just two hours. I- I've been talking this a lot for uh, with friends of mine who are in other states that are working and, and what different states and areas are and aren't allowing and what that's like to shoot a wedding. So how how has it changed because of the pandemic? Like, what's the wedding look like for you this weekend? 
Well, it went from being a full wedding and reception to being two hours. It's a small family at the church. I do the family. I do the groups. Everyone's going to stay masked up. I don't. I, I assume until we take the picture, and then afterwards, I'll do family pictures and I'll do bride and groom, and then time allowing, um, they might want to go to a second location, and time allowing, or they might add a little time. I might come back to the house just to do a little first dance cake cutting, and again, it's a house, so it's, it's only going to be immediate family. They're going to be there, um, but I told them they could make that decision on the day. So how uh, has that changed how you're charging for the wedding? I'm interested in that. because Okay, so it has because obviously it's not going to be a full big wedding day and you haven't changed anything. No, I, well, I charge by the hour. I don't really have packages. So all my packages are just hourly anyway. Ah. So it, so I'm charging them uh, the same thing I would charge. If it's a two-hour shoot and I charge you by the hour. And, and, you know, they still have planned for next year a full reception, a giant reception. And I'm still on for that. So ideally, once I do this and then I do the full reception, ideally it will eventually end up being about the same as I would get for any other wedding, except we're not doing prep. So I'm not going to get like the two hours of prep photography that you would normally get. So that's gone. But, um, you know, the wedding and, and the pictures after and then the reception for next year. Yeah. You know, if I, if, if we if that happens, we'll, we'll, it'll be close to a normal wedding when it's all said and done. We've we've uh, been starting to venture out and do a little more as as a family, you know, because in Orange County, our, our covid numbers were doing really well. And then our governor just opened up the whole state. It's like, yeah, everything's fine. Let's just keep going. And I got to tell you, it's a little frightening how many people are out there just pretending that nothing's going on. You know what I mean? Well, we're, we're still getting the calls almost daily from the school. Yeah. Miss Johnson from Steinbrenner High School calling to inform you that another student has tested positive. And uh, the high school football game uh, can't be played this Friday because the team they were going to play has too many people who are sick. And so they have found another team in another town that they're going to go and play. Now, it was supposed to be a home game, but now they're going to go to them and play them. And no one is allowed to go like, you know, drill team people aren't like the drill team can go and the cheerleaders. Uh, but like the guard, my girls can't go. They're upset about that. But what's funny is that before that happened, if it had been a home game, they were opening it up. They went, they went from every kid can have two, two people come or to, um, it can be like a thousand people there in groups of 10 and they, they had opened it up for this game and then the game's not going to happen because there's too many people with COVID. So there seems to be, yeah, it's kind a- of a, uh, so why are you opening it up if you're canceling games because of COVID? Uh, that does seem odd. I was I was on a uh, I was on a conference call for work, but uh, and or a judges training for the IPC, which is coming up. By the way, the International Photographic Competition PPA's IPC is coming up. Um, you know what? I'll put a link to that in the description uh, so you guys can tune into that. But the deadline has passed, and I got mine in like five minutes before. But I was on a judges training for that because we're obviously going online with the competition this year. And I think it's going to be really, really cool. But while I was doing that, Julie took the girls to my nephew, Caden, his football game. He plays on the football team now. He's in high school. And so she goes and she's got the girls with her. They've got masks on. They walk out into the, they walk into the stands and there's like hundreds of people there. No one's wearing masks. No one's social distancing. Everybody's just pretending like nothing's going on. Like just, she's like, eh, we're leaving at halftime. We're getting the heck out of here. You know? Well, what we were going to do this week, because um, we went to one game already, what we were going to do this week was we were just going to go for halftime. We were going to show up for halftime. I was going to go out on the field with my camera, take pictures of the girls and everything, and then we were going to bolt. We weren't going to stay for the game at all. We were just going to go to watch our girls do their thing, and then we are going to get out. But we can't do that now because they're playing in some other town and, and, and using all these restrictions <laughs> that they weren't going to use at home. It's, 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 I know it's a confusing time, like, but... You know, and and, pe- and people are frustrated. Like they just want to do stuff. Nobody likes wearing a mask. Nobody likes being stuck at home. Nobody likes not being able to do things as we were doing things. You know, we all miss, uh, we all miss normal life for the most part. But like, it's the resistance to the science of this that is delaying our return to normal life. And and, and it's it's it, you know, and, and I I just don't I just don't get it. It's it's not a it's not a political issue. It's not a, I mean, I saw somebody, uh, a, a photography, a leader in the photography industry tweeting about the hoax that is the, the pandemic, that it's, that it's all a hoax. I'm like, 
you know, the president just got out of the hospital for the hoax. You know, like the dude was on oxygen and, and steroids getting the best medical care in the world. And he was out of action for a few days. Like, so, you know, it's not a hoax. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine the level, the level of coordinated conspiracy it would take to pull something like that off? It's just not even, like I said, the president. So there's no, you know, if, there's a, if there was ever a guy who would not participate in this hoax, it's that guy. And there he was at Walter Reed. So I think that pretty much clears that, clears that up. The other thing about it is the contagiousness of it is what gets me. Because people talk about the flu and things like that. The flu is contagious and everything like, yeah, but not like, I mean, I don't know who was patient zero at the White House, but once, uh, once it came out, suddenly they started dropping like flies. There's like 15, 17 people now that have been diagnosed with it. And that doesn't happen when the flu comes around like your whole office doesn't get knocked out with the flu <laughs> you know i was just amazed it's like okay so your you know your your advisor is out and a couple of senators are out and your uh, spokesperson is out and uh your wife has got it and you've got it and this and so many people just so quickly moves through yeah well i think they're pretty aggressively testing too and you've got probably a few asymptomatic folks in there i, I guess the the long and the short of it is, is I am sick and tired of of having to live the way that we're living now yes. and having that be prolonged by people who think that they know better. Well, you know, listen, there's there's two sides to that to that argument. Like, I'm still not so sure. And I, I'm you might disagree. But I'm still not so sure that the whole shutting down the whole country the way we did was the right way to go, because it doesn't affect everybody at the same time. Like right now, it is ravaging the Midwest. Wisconsin's in huge trouble like they, uh, there's uh, a, a governor or a mayor there that just opened a triage hospital on a football field that's when you know you're in trouble yes and and they weren't getting any covid when the whole thing started back in february or march and so even then i was like maybe we should just be shutting down like every state as covid hits them and shut them down but let their economies hum before and after to help keep the rest of us afloat you know and maybe that's what we should be doing um i don't know I, I honestly don't know, but I know that the people who lived in the Midwest in February and March were like, nobody here's got it. Why am I suddenly out of work? Yeah, if you're living in Iowa City, you're like, why, why, are, we, why are we not working? <laughs> right. So, so, I mean, I don't know if maybe, maybe that would have been a better, a, a better solution would have been to, you know, to say, we're going to concentrate on where it is and a little bit on the areas around that, you know, just like you do with contact tracing, the areas where it's going to move next. But then the areas that are, you know, out here in this part of the country that aren't being affected at all, we're going to let them just go about as business as usual. But once it starts to ramp up there, then we are going to hammer it. You know, then we're going to jump in there and hammer it. I guess I guess it's being cavalier about ramping up because ramping up means people start dying. And so how many people have to die before you start how many, to yeah, shut down? How many down? people have to? Yeah. And that, you're absolutely right. How many people have to die before suddenly it's time to do something? I don't know. Five months ago, I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was like, you know, it's just the flu. It's not serious. And I was like, okay, well, let's put a number on this. It's like, how many people are going to be dead from this thing? What's the limit to where you're like, it's not the flu, it's worse? And he goes, 100,000 people. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're there. Yeah, double that, you know. But, it, you know, I just... Here's the thing about the doubling it, too. People are like, we're doubling it. And, and you know, and then if you look at flu numbers, I'm like, okay, you don't realize we're not done yet. You know, half the states are just now hitting the heavy, the heavy portion. We're not done yet. We're still far from done. We could hit 300,000 before this is over or more. I think the biggest problem is, is the, the, for me, though, the, the, politiciz, the politiciz, politicization of it. it has, Politi politicization? Politicization of it has been so bad that now, like, it's become a party issue. And now the governor of my state is in a feud and in, being sued by different counties and cities all over the state. Like, nobody's, like, agreeing on it. And like basically the economy right now with the job loss and everything else that's going to hit is, as, as, as a friend of mine put it, we're like Wiley Coyote has walked off the cliff but has not yet realized that he is suspended <laughs> in midair. You know, that's where we're at right now. And people are like, let's just forward forward. And it's like, you know what's going to happen if you just open everything up and forward forward? The level of people getting sick and how do you think that, that, that mass infection rates and people just getting sick and being put out of work and the cost of medical care and all that stuff isn't going to put an undue burden on the economy if we don't manage this. Like, you can't have one without the other. You can't have a bunch of sick people and a great economy. It just, just doesn't work that way. You know, you have to have, like, people have to be able to work in order for the economy to work. And so... I've, always, I've been, the whole time, 
you know, the debate over should we shut down bars and restaurants and should we shut down schools and et cetera, et cetera. And all of that is a legitimate debate, absolutely legitimate debate. But I just really have not been able to wrap my head around the mask issue and why, at the very least, why, doesn't, why don't we just all wear masks? It's proven, it's effective, it's a good idea. Why is there any debate about this? I can understand debate about other things, you know, especially schools. But the mask thing, I've never understood the mask thing. Just wear a mask. It's just better for you. It's better for everybody else. Just chip in and wear a mask. You know, what's the problem? Although, although I have seen a, a, a drastic decrease in the amount of people screaming at Walmart employees popping into yeah. my news feed. I think that <laughs> for the most part, most people are, are past it in the areas where it's still required. Although I, I am think going- for the most part, they have been. I, I think that the mask thing has not been nearly as big as we've been led to believe. They're like, you know, there's some new video. Somebody's screaming in Target about wearing a mask. I'm okay, yeah, 350 million people, and you got one person on video screaming about a mask. That's still a pretty good, you know, when I go out, I don't see a lot of, I mean, I, I, you see some maskless people, but I haven't run into any screamers. No, you know. no. I, the, the thing that's annoying me the most is, is people wearing it, like, just on their chin. Like, I went, to my, I went to my least favorite place on the planet yesterday. Julie asked me to pick up some groceries on the way home. And so I stopped by, and... There are the Publix, which is the greatest grocery store that's ever existed. There's there's a bunch of them, but they're all outlying kind of around my route home. On my right home route home, there's a Walmart neighborhood market, which is Walmart with just groceries, basically. And and it's literally it's so convenient. And it's about 300 yards from my house and it's on my route home from the studio. So I pop in there and every time I go. I'm like, okay, I'll be in and out. It's convenient. It's literally the worst place in the world. It's it's. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's it's so bad and so they're basically they've got people sitting at the front door making sure that you're got your mask on but all they've give they let their employees loiter out in front of the store on their break and none of them are wearing masks they're all like hanging off their ears and on their chins so you walk by all those non-mask wearing employees on loitering on their break into the store and they're not enforcing it inside. The place is like a disaster. It looks like a hurricane is coming every single day. They have one cashier who's got one eye and one leg and one arm. You know, that's it's the slowest <laughs> possible service. They've got 17 check yourself out machines and 16 of them are broken and 300 people trying to buy a gallon of milk. It is the worst, worst place in the world. But half the employees, even when they're working, are like masks are down under their, their chin or they're hanging off the air. It's like if you're going to wear it, if you're going to require it for your people, like make them wear it or don't. Just don't. Like, right. Like, what are you even doing? I, I, I don't understand. Like, it's the easiest thing in the world. Yes, it's inconvenient, but I get out of my car, I put the mask on, I do my shop, and I come out, I take it back off when I get to the car. Whatever you do, like, why is it such a big flipping deal? You know what it was? If it was, I made this point yesterday. If this was, if this was World War II, and we were in danger of a like a a, a toxic poison gas bombing by the Russians or the North Koreans or whatever, if that was the threat that was upon us right now was poison gas and you had and you were required by the government to pick up your government-issued gas mask and carry that with you because if a gas bomb goes off, you could put it on and protect yourself, nobody would say crap about it. They'd be like, yep, I got my government gas mask because it protects you. You know what I mean? You, you, you see, that, I think that's where you're wrong. I think there would always be people who would be like, that's bull. The government's lying to us about the gas. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So there are always going to be crazy conspiracy theorists. And this, right. this, 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 this year, they have, man, they're out partying right now. They, they are just, really have. Welcome to social media. Yeah. This is the, uh, this is the age of Aquarius for those nutcases. This is it, man. They're like <laughs> living the damn dream. They really are. They're, they've got really the, are. they've got the platforms to spew their nonsense. They've got people in positions of power egging them on. And they've got an un- unlimited ability to communicate their crap all over the place. And it's just like, I love a good conspiracy as much as the next person. But we've talked about this many times. Five people can't keep a birthday party a secret. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, it's just, if, if, you, like, there's, if your mind is going, and there's a grand conspiracy, guess what? It's probably not. Like, almost certainly not a grand conspiracy. If you know about it, it's probably not a grand conspiracy. Yeah. If, if you <laughs> have figured it out, if, if you just click clacking away on your Google machine and watching conspiracy YouTube videos, if you are now enlightened, man, if you're, if you're clued in, man, it's probably not because you're crazy. 
Like, if you figured it out, it's not that good of a conspiracy. If it was a good enough conspiracy to fool the whole world, and you think you're the you're the, the enlightened few people that, that worked it out, it's not the conspiracy. It's you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you see? Uh, did you see the um, the conspiracy that the FBI uh, shut down to kidnap the governor of Michigan? Yes, I did. Did you see the name of the group? Is they, they call they're called the Boogaloo's. This is the only militia group ever named after a breakfast cereal. Or the sequel to Greece? Wait, which I one mean, was... The Boogaloo. Wh- the Boogaloo. Wait, which one was Electric Boogaloo? Was that... Uh... Uh, that was uh, Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, that was it. Yeah, bra- yeah. Breaking 2. Yeah. But I also noticed this. They had the mugshots up, and apparently you can't be a member without a beard. You have to be... A, in order to be a member of any militia, you have to be a bearded roommate. Well, to be a crazy, uh, you know, just fringe conspiracy theorist nutcase uh, to the point uh, where you would plot the kidnapping of a government official uh thinking that's patriotism oh yeah you're definitely gonna have a beard yeah <laughs> you gotta have a beard why is that why is a beard just de rigor for that because for that I, I i i you know because maybe you should hide your stupid face from the world i guess it's cheaper than i guess you know cheaper than a ba- balaclava what? <laughs> i don't know i think you're i think you, i think it's a manly i think you think you're more manly. maybe a real man like a mountain man Grizzly Adams, clean shaven, does not exist. You've got to have a beard. Yeah, that's fair. You know, uh, Al Borland, sidekick to Tim the Toolman Taylor. Would, how, how, would Richard, how would Richard Karn look without a beard? That's a good question. The fact that you know his name is Richard Karn is impressive. Yeah, uh, dude, come on. Arcane knowledge of 90s television, please, please, I'm all over that crap. We have a lot of actual uh, news to get to, so we should get to it. All right. Uh, it is time for Photography News. Photography Be-do. News. All right, uh, th- like every major camera brand has news this week, and so there's a lot of it. So we'll try, we probably won't spend as much time on each item as we normally do. We're just do. two men, you know? Yeah, we're just, we're just two men. But before we do that, I need to remind you that, as always, Photography News, sponsored by the great folks at ReTouchUp. If you are not a part of the ReTouchUp team, you need to become a part of that team. Just sign up for an account at ReTouchUp.com and be sure and put down Photobomb as the reason you came to ReTouchUp, and you will get a discount code in addition to that code. If you would like to try their photo restoration, which is something very, very cool and a way that you can make money without doing a dang thing, then all you have to do is send them a picture for photo restoration. They will do it as many times as, they, as, they, as it takes to get it right, and there is no, no picture that is too bad you know, for you to send to them. And if you email our friend Gary P. at retouchup.com, he will send you a coupon for half off your first photo restoration. That is a great deal. And you know what I sent? At a, uh, sometimes I send retouch up weird stuff just because I don't want to bother with it. So it's stuff that I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to re-send, re-send to rework. And so I did this picture, which we've talked about on the show before. I photographed this guitar that this guy built at his custom shoot with this, with this custom-made guitar. And so he wanted the image, which was meant to be vertical. He wanted it to be horizontal. He wanted it to be landscape. But I only shot on paper that was five feet wide. And the guitar, everything was right up to the edges of the paper. And you're like, no, we need to use it for this, and it needs to be this. So I just set it to retouch, retouchup.com, and I was like, there's no way they're going to get this right, but you know, at least maybe they'll get it started. I wanted them to extend the seamless paper all the way out to the images, which would be like, it was just, it was just a real pain-in-the-butt job. And I was like, there's no way. I got the email that the job was finished. I went and I looked. I was like... Well, hot damn, that's perfect. They nailed it. <laughs> I was I was shocked. I was absolutely at shocked. At an unbelievable price. $5. Absolutely check out uh, retouchup.com. Something that I would have obsessed over for like four hours. Uh, they, yeah. for, they, I got, yeah. for $5, I got that four hours of my life back. All right. So in photography news, uh, let's see, in the Nikon front, uh, the first set of Nikon Z9 specs have leaked. And of course, it's a leak, so we don't know how much of it is going to be the real deal. But what they're saying is that it will be basically, the Z9 will be basically the Nikon D6 style of body, the Canon EOS R5 level of imaging capabilities, which you can attest is pretty incredible. Pretty nice. And the Sony A92 level of autofocus. The camera will have 20 frames per second continuous shooting, a 45 megabyte sensor. It will be a new sensor for uh, Nikon. And 8K video capability. Now, this is interesting because as you were saying that, because I've read this article before, I actually picked it up off of Industry News on Canon Rumors. And I was just imagining the, the people at Nikon, like they're in last place. They're out of money. So they just buy one of each of these cameras and like weld all the parts together. Like it's the Nikon Z9. See, we're still relevant. Here's the Nikon Z9. I'm just kidding. Like I hope that like nobody wants to see Nikon go away, but they have had financial trouble and 
this could be like the with the Z6 II and the Z7 II coming out, and with this thing coming next year, um, it says it's going to be tested at the Tokyo Olympics, assuming they're having Olympics in Tokyo. But uh, this could be a really good boon for them. It's a shame they haven't been able to get it out sooner, but hopefully it'll be uh, hopefully it'll be really good for the company. Uh, in other Nikon news, they are bringing back their worry-free 30-day trial for their new full-frame uh, Nikon Z5. They did this once before. They did it with the uh, Z50, mm-hmm. and now they're doing it for the Z5 as well. So if you're a Nikon shooter or thinking about being a Nikon shooter, you can get one, the Nikon Z5, for 30 days, and there's just try it for 30 days. If you don't like it, send it back. No problem. Yeah, this is that entry-level full-frame they came up with a while Yeah, back, including but... postage. Doesn't cost you anything. It's a great idea. You know, I mean, because now I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'll get it for, yeah. <laughs> for 30 days just to try it out. Yeah, heck yeah. Just give it a shot. See how it does. In, uh, uh, I think I had one more piece of Nikon news. Oh, that's right. The um, CFS, uh, CF Express support is coming to the D5, the D850, and the D500 soon. Now, they've teased this before, but now they're saying they're very close to it. So if you use the D5, the D850, or the D500, hopefully you will be getting CF Express support. Yeah, that's a, they're great cars. They're just still mad expensive. Those yeah, mad goods. expensive. You can get one up to up to a terabyte. Yeah, I've got I've got the R5. I've had it for like two months. I've just been using it, and I still just shoot on SD cards because I just don't want to pay for a CF Express card. <laughs> I'm just not interested. Like I in I, the world of uh, Fuji, Fuji is introducing a new camera that's supposed to sit in between the XT30 and the XT4. So it's going to have the same sensor as the X-T4, but be a little bit smaller. It's going to be bigger than the X-T30. Uh, it's going to be 4K 30p, 1080 240p video. Um, it's going to have five-axis in-body image stabilization. Again, they're saying we're not sure who this camera is for. Uh, but the part that interests me the most is they're saying that it may have, a, a, for Fuji, an oversized grip. Ooh! So they're saying so it will be smaller than the XT4, which is already such a small camera, but will have a bigger grip. Hold on, let me let me fire up the Wayback Machine. Hold on, we got to fire up the Wayback Machine. We're going back in time to the great Bure considering switching to Fuji debate. Yes, yes. from Canon, which was what six months ago, a year ago. It was maybe over a year ago. It was over a year ago. I'm sure that one of the bombardiers will will be able to let us know exactly when that was. And so you made a YouTube video about it. You got a lot of hate about it. You got a lot of love because you made a really thoughtful video why you're not switching to the Fuji X-T3. And you're a Fuji user. You love your XV, X100V, and X100F before that. And one of the big gripes you had was that to switch to the X-T3, the grip just wasn't substantial enough for your hands. The ergonomics of it, using it day in and day out for thousands of images every time you shoot a wedding would be wouldn't be right for you so now this one might have a bigger grip might have a bigger grip but yet the camera is going to be smaller than the xt3 and the xt4 which is i mean that that camera is already so small but when but the but the lenses aren't the lenses are the same size and so i you know i kind of have a, a thing about this whole idea of let's make the camera body as small as possible and then put this giant lens on the front of it which makes the whole thing so unbalanced uh, so that's, I can't see this grip making a difference for me because the camera needs to be at least as big as the X-T4. Well, it wasn't one of your, I remember your video. One of your things was that the grip itself, it was also the position of the shutter button. Yes. Because it was flat on top rather than at an angle on the front. Right. And so bringing your finger around, you had to do like a, bring it all the way back to 12 o'clock to push the shutter yes. button. You have right. to stretch your finger back to the back top of the camera to use the trigger. And when your whole hand, if you have a big grip, your hand's rotated forward. And so you want the grip to be like on a pistol. You want it to be up there in the front of the camera. And they don't do that with their grips. And maybe they'll do it with this one. I don't know. That's, I'm thinking that maybe somebody at Fuji watched your video and they're like, I, yeah, I'm sure that's what That happened. video has a lot of views. I'm not, you know, and Fuji I'm just, does I'm, watch I'm what just you saying, do. Fuji loves I, you. Know, but, but bottom line is still Fuji always doing things I'm interested in seeing, you know. So that's really all that matters. So we'll see what, what happens with this, with this mid-level entry. They're the most intriguing camera company i think i think that you know what i mean like i'm just interested to see what they're going to do next because they are they just right it's like everybody else is over here like fighting and punching in a charlie brown style cloud scuffle you know and then mm-hmm. fuji's just over here just like linus sucking his thumb like we're just going to do our thing over on this side of the playground you know what i mean yeah they really do they really do seem to just kind of set their own path yeah yeah so i'm always interested to see what they come up with absolutely All right, what's next in photography news? 
Well, the uh, Lightroom plugin has now made been made available for the folks who shoot with Sony so they can tether. This is huge. If you're a Sony user, this is a big deal for you. If you want to tether, this is great. I mean, I'm just so out of it with Sony, you know, um, although, you know, I just keep it in touch of, or tabs on what I need to know for the show. I wasn't aware that they, uh, I wasn't aware that they couldn't tether to Lightroom. Well, I guess not. Because the, the, the story is that New Lightroom plugin allows for tethered capture with Sony cameras. Well, this is a uh, plugin from Tether Tools. From Tether Tools, and this is Tether Tools has has you know, and, and I use their I use their cables and stuff. They just make great, real single purpose yeah. accessories. Um, my cable, my my Tether cable is a is a uh, is a Tether Tools. You want to pay a hundred dollars for a for a Tether cable, but it's a Tether cable that will work. I have I buy backups for the Tether cables, and I never use them. Like I just I've got I've got three. Tether Tools backup cables that are still in the plastic bags that I've had for like three years. Uh, <laughs> you know, anyway, not a Tether Tools commercial. It's just I think everybody I know uses Tether Tools cables who does a lot of Tether shooting. Um, but they have they came out with a uh, uh, their own tethering software a little while back that's really solid called Smart Shooter. And now it looks like that Smart Shooter now is going to have a Lightroom plug-in, I think is what this article is saying. So this is going to be from Tether Tools. That is going to go inside of Lightroom Classic for Canon, Sony, and Nikon. It says, in addition to full camera control via a computer, the plugin will allow you to automatically apply Lightroom presets to images as they are imported to catalogs in real time. So this is basically kind of a workaround for Lightroom's natural shortcomings when it comes to tethering certain brands, I guess. Um all I have to say is just get Capture One. But anyway, you know, it's fine. It's fine. No big deal. No, no. I, I love Lightroom. use it for a long time, and I still use it for certain things. And so I think for Sony users, this will be a big deal. And and uh, if I know anything about Tether Tools, they, they do put a lot of thought into their products. And I'd be interested to see how Smart Shooter works and how this plugin works with Lightroom. The folks who bought Olympus, JIP, jip, Japan jip, jip, Industrial jip. Partners, yeah, they bought Olympus. Well, um... We had talked about this, and we said, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And come to find out, I think it is going to happen. They have kind of confirmed that the Olympus brand name is going away. Yeah, this is we, we briefly talked about this before yeah, we started yeah. recording. JIP bought uh, Olympus, but they didn't actually buy the Olympus brand name. And they've been asked several times about it, and they've never given a straight answer. They bought um, the names like, you know, PIN or OMD. They own those names. But they don't necessarily own the Olympus brand name. And so they are saying the big rumor being that since they won't confirm it, uh, the big rumor is that no, the Olympus name will actually die, which is a shame because Olympus has been around for so long. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I, I, I'm shocked actually by that. It, it has to be some kind of like minute legal thing. I, you know, I, I, do they are they going to start a new brand and just start putting out the OMD under a different label? I guess so. I mean, if it's going to be essentially be the same quality of products, because and I know some diehard Olympus users, and Olympus does make a great camera. They just in that micro four thirds market, they just make beautiful stuff. Um, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that they say is that you have to remember that Olympus, who sold off the imaging division to this company. They still have other products. I don't know what they are, but Olympus has other products that they do that aren't cameras. Calculators. I, I guess. I don't know. Electric can openers. Yeah, that's doing good outside of digital imaging. So if they allow this other company now taking over to use the Olympus brand and then they were to ruin that brand or it was to look bad, then that would affect them. So they've got, you know, the, like if, they've got the imaging division is in the technology, the patents and all the stuff that they own in their cameras, maybe even their, but they're, they're not allowed to use the name Olympus. Yeah, like if I decided I wasn't going to do weddings anymore and I sold off all my wedding stuff to another photographer, I wouldn't be like, oh, and you can call yourself Bure Perry Photography Weddings. Because I'd be no, because Bure Perry Photography still exists over here doing other stuff and I don't want my name someplace else as well where you can ruin my reputation. So that's kind of what they're saying is the case here. It's actually good for Olympus as a company to not have their name being mangled possibly by some other company, but it still means the same thing, which is that Olympus cameras will sense, will cease to exist. Well, that's a shame. They also say, though, that uh, the cameras that they are going to work on are going to be high-end four-thirds cameras. Um, okay. Uh, What's that look like? What, what's a high-end four-thirds camera? Uh, look, I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't be like the pixel-peeping, you know, sensor-sized guy, but 
high end for micro four thirds. Yeah, like, what does that mean, high end? I don't know what that means. Like I don't I just don't know that I don't know that many people shooting professionally with micro four thirds. There are a few, and I know that the um Olympus in, in particular are really big with wildlife photographers. And you know because they're of of the crop and and they make excellent cameras for that, but at least not in our world in what we do. I don't know that many people that rely on Olympus for that stuff, and I don't necessarily think of them as high end, at least not in the way it resonates with me. So I don't want to be cavalier about it, but high end micro four thirds. I mean, yeah, maybe for like. And we say now it is going to be great now if we say that. And then like a year or two from now, suddenly this company comes out with a new OM-10, the OM-50. It's, it's micro four thirds and it's amazing. Right. And, and, it, and it starts at $900. <laughs> <laughs> you know? just, I mean, because people said the same thing about crop sensor. People were like, well, full frame, full frame, crop sensor. And then here comes Fuji. Right. Well, you right? know. So, so, you know, what, what, could, what, what if Olympus becomes to micro four thirds what Fuji has become to crop sensor? Maybe they're not me. Like high end cameras to me are going to be like the capture or the, the phase ones and the Hasselblads and, and, and stuff like that. Those are going to be the, your higher end cameras. However, maybe, I mean, it sounds like they maybe they mean higher end in the micro four thirds market. So they're going to make not, rather than making prosumer low-end cheap cameras maybe they're looking at making micro four-thirds cameras going to be really geared towards their 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 niche market and just make sure that they, they make fewer like they're not going to have the omd one plus two four seventeen ninety two dash sixty six maybe they'll just really simplify their product line and just make a couple of really kick-ass you know micro four-thirds cameras for those power users that love the brand i gotta tell you i'm still i'm still interested though I still want to see what they come up. I with love that. the way their cameras look. I just the, the classic Olympus look is so neat, and and I know that they 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 have some great tech in there. So uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm sad to see the name go away, but if they, you know, eventually every company's called something else. You know, it used to be Sears and Roebuck. What happened to Roebuck? Does anybody anybody concerned about Roebuck? What happened to Roebuck? Where's Roebuck? Is he missing? People it, are missing. What happened to Mister Roebuck? Where it's on the whole Roebuck line. Did they wipe? Did Sears and Roebuck get into a thing and the Sears clan, much like the Hatfields and McCoys, wipe the Roebucks off the face of the map? Is that what happened to Roebuck? And now he's like, fine, screw you. We're just going to call the store Sears from now on. And that's how it goes. That's, that's business, baby. It's, it's a, what, happened, what, ha- what happened to Barnum and Bailey? Exactly. It's not called show friends. It's show business. That's right. Show business. Uh, is there anything in photography news? Because I've been doing a lot here. Is there anything you definitely want to talk about in photography I got news? a couple of little quick hits. Uh, one, the Adobe Max Conference 2020 is coming up really, really soon. And what's cool about the Adobe Max Conference is it's all virtual, um, which was, is to be expected. However, it's also free to register, which is really cool. So if you've never experienced Adobe Max and the way that many, many companies roll out big products and the level of education. Uh, it, it's, it's apparently, I've never had the pleasure to go, but apparently it's an awesome, it's an awesome time. And so you'll be able to get a taste of that level of education and experience for free. So I'll post a link to that on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash photobomb podcast. You can register for Adobe Max for free, which is pretty cool. You know, why not? Um, also, I wanted to touch back on another story, which was the Canon EOS M line which people are, there, there are rumors that Canon is actually going to discontinue the EOS M line in favor of making cropped sensor cameras for the R mount, which kind of makes sense because like the lenses for the M line aren't great. They don't, you know what I mean? Right. The cameras are fantastic. I have the M50 and I would buy another one in a heartbeat, but the lenses are just cripplingly awful for the most part. They don't, they just haven't made great glass or a huge variety of it uh, so i'm using the adapter a lot but the m50 mark ii specs have uh come out or at least some of them we have an aps-c cmos sensor that's 32.5 megapixels a possibly a new digic x processor we're going to have the dual pixel autofocus version 2 it's going to shoot 14 frames per second and it will do 4k up to 60 frames per second with no crop which would be a huge improvement over the last one but it will not have in-body image stabilization, which I find very surprising. And uh, and it will have a single SD card slot, which, again, for this line of cameras, I don't think is a big deal. So, um, But the other thing is it's supposed to have that uh, the electronic viewfinder is supposed to be similar to the one on the R5 and the R6. So it will be okay. a huge improvement. So I guess maybe they already had this coming down the pike. If they're going to cancel the M line of cameras, 
Like, why would they come out with this? But, you know, they're great. I love the M cameras. I think they're fantastic. But, you know, the, again, these specs are just rumors at this point. I, I just can't believe they wouldn't put the, the stabilization in it. Like, that would be one of the... That would be one of the things that I think that they they it would be almost a no brainer as an upgrade to the M50 to get people to buy into this line. But would it cannibalize the R series? Are we close to the point where IBIS is just standard? Like you just the idea of putting on a camera without IBIS is just like what what? Well, it is and it isn't. I actually on the M50 that I have, it has digital image stabilization that you can turn on in the camera, and it's actually really really good. And so for your you know for your standard user who's doing like vlogging or taking pictures of your kids and stuff, the digital image stabilization is great and you don't lose a lot of resolution. So with the IBIS, it would be even better for the walk and talk kind of vlogging crowd or whatever. But I I guess you don't necessarily need it, but I'm just, it seems like it would be one of those things where people are going to be expecting it to be in every camera from now on. If you could put it in a, in, in a, in a Fuji, the size of a business card, like you could, you could put it in almost any camera now. I guess is it it's either going to be trying to keep the cost down, trying to keep the size and weight down or trying not to cannibalize a, a, a higher end camera. But here's the thing it's like I think they're for two different groups of people. You know what I mean? Like you're talking about cannibalizing the R line with the M line, it's just just ridiculous. Like you're there's not a whole bunch of people that are going to be like, "Well, I was going to get the R6, but I'll get the M50 instead." Yeah, no. <laughs> That's like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it, it's for different people. The M series are great for people who are casual photo enthusiasts, walking around, vlogging, content creators. And the R6 is like a professional level camera. So I, I don't know. I, I just, it seems like, it seems like that uh, they should really just be putting IBIS into all these cameras now that they have it. Yeah, I, I feel like that's. The, I feel like we're coming to the point where that's just going to be a standard thing. Every camera is going to have IBIS. Yeah, and Canon's is great. Like it's industry leading great IBIS. Like the new stuff that they've got is just unbelievable. Like if it was, I don't know I'll wait to see when the actual specs come out because these are just rumored from Canon rumors. But uh, again, I, if even if they discontinue this line, I would think about getting this camera because I'll have it for three, four, five years is like my walk around camera, travel camera. And, and just cause they're not making any new ones, it doesn't mean that it won't be great. So yeah, I'm keeping an eye on it, but if it comes out and it's like $1,200, then I'll go like, well, maybe I'll, maybe it is. Maybe I do need to upgrade to a different maybe, Yeah, product. why not? There's a company called Clever Files that has a product called Disc Drill 4. I assume that this is the fourth one in the line and it's $89 and it's recovery software. And they claim that it will recover 99% of your raw files if you mistakenly format your card. Uh, that's useful. If this is true, first of all, oh my gosh, right? You, you somehow format your card from a wedding and it's gonna recover 99% of your files. That's awesome. But here's the other thing. If that's true, you are not charging enough money for this software because $89, if I just lost an entire card, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, how much is the software? 300 bucks, you got it. My firstborn child sold. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. You got it. Uh, so, uh, wow. If it does what they say it will do for $89, that's just a, that's a no brainer. Yeah. They, it should be $89 per use and people would still pay it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. You're absolutely right. That's perfect. $89 for $89. I'll recover your files. Sold. Absolutely sold. I don't know anybody who's used it or anything, but if it, if it works that well. It's a bargain, but don't you um don't you get that free from PPA? Uh, I don't think it's free, but you do get a you do get like a there is a discount if you're a PPA member. No, I I don't know. It used to be discounted, but now I I think that not too long ago they actually made it. They might have made it free. So if you look in, if you're a PPA member, Professional Photographer Association of America, look into that because it it I feel like a while back they announced that now it's just going to be included with your membership in the same way that they included your equipment insurance is free. There is a there is something I, I I haven't looked at it uh, in a while, but you know. So anyway, that's if it were if this if this software does what they say it will do, then eighty nine dollars it's is a bargain at, at twice the price. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, I would pay eighty nine dollars per card per use for for that. If I how many it brings up an interesting question: How many times have you accidentally almost deleted an entire card while you were working? <sighs> have you ever pushed the that... format button and it's like, are you sure? Yes or no? And you're like, oh crap! And then you hit no. Uh, yeah, I have, I have, but what that comes from is because I will only format one card. I have two cards in my camera. One of them's a backup. So I've had that happen where I was like, started to format. I was like, wait a minute. Am I, 
which one am I formatting here? I need to be sure I'm formatting the right one. Mm. Uh, and so what I did once was I formatted a backup card. But I formatted a backup card, so I lost my backup card to six months' worth of images. But those images were also backed up uh, onto a drive, a second drive, so I didn't really lose anything. But that moment of, <gasps> that's, a, you know, know. that's a heart racer. <laughs> <laughs> yep where your where your sphincter collapses like a dying yes. star yes. <gasps> absolutely but i mean that's why i have to have i have, have two card slots because i know if i somehow mistakenly format that raw card i still got everything backed up as a high as a high res jpeg and and if you shoot you know close enough to the correct exposure jpegs are fine yeah i mean they are i mean for especially for most wedding stuff they'll probably right. be fine yeah right yeah, I'd, certainly, certainly enough to keep you from getting in trouble with your client. The wedding photographer that I worked for when I first started in the business, I worked for another wedding photographer for about two years. He never shot raw ever, and he was good. He was an award-winning international, got paid thousands. Like his average wedding was like ten thousand dollars, and this was in like two thousand and five. Like he was just great. And uh, never shot raw ever. Only ever shot JPEG. And he was like, "Yeah, if you get the exposure right, you don't need raw." And I'm like, "Well, I know a few thousand people that would argue that pretty strongly." I mean, well, here's the thing: it's not just about exposure, though. It's about being able to make the little like, "Oh, you want to put that slight vignetting? You want to put, you know, you want to boost the contrast? You want to highlights? And you want to da da da? You can do that on the JPEG, but it's a little less destructive if you do it with." The I, I tell you, I tell you, the one thing is, I've gone so far the other way now that like I'm editing and doing everything in 16-bit tiffs. Like I'm crazy now. Like it's, yeah, you really are. Especially when you, you really especially are. when you you're printing your work on like and I'm, so I've got this Canon Image Prograph Pro 2100 sitting behind me in the office, and so I printed something up, and it has a gradient on it, and it was just, it was just it just looked like and I thought man there's something wrong with the printer there's something and it was like nope nope because I printed from an eight bit JPEG, and all and the information wasn't there. So I went back, found the raw file, processed it to a TIFF, printed the same thing, and it was like butter. It was like printed from a 16-bit TIFF to the printer. You're so deep. You're so much deeper into this now than I am. You know, that every time you talk, I'm like, ooh, okay. What's, you know, I'm learning every time you talk about I'm going, it. I'm going. It's actually not that hard anymore. Like the software is so good. I thought it was going to be really intimidating. And there are some like basic parameters. It's almost like learning how to play Monopoly. Like there's some basic parameters to printing that you need to understand. Basically, I calibrate my, my monitor and then I make sure that I have the correct print to paper profile. And I only use papers that actually have a real Canon profile for my printer. And so if you calibrate your monitor and your image is good and the printer has the has, and you use the Canon layout software to print from, it just looks like it's supposed to when it comes out. The only thing I've had to really modify is that because you've, you're editing on a backlit LCD screen, which gives it an unnatural lightness. So I have to darken my monitor when I edit, bring the brightness down as part of the calibration to make sure that I don't get a dingy looking image because you do need to push it a little bit more than it looks on the screen. But for the most part, the software has made it... The, the thing that does suck is how expensive the ink cartridges are. <laughs> Isn't that always the thing, though? It's always Ink has always been the big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, on one of the bigger printers, a full set of cartridges is is like almost... You could just throw the whole printer out and buy and have a new one delivered with a new set of cartridges. Well, that's what they say. The whole thing, the whole market for printers has always been that they take a loss on the printer and they make the money on the Well, ink. yeah, that's... I mean, that's, I mean, how many, how many products could you say that about? Absolutely. Like it's, it's, yeah, that's just, that's just the industry, you know? All right. Are we ready to close up the photography news? Uh, yeah, I think I'm out. I'm out. I'm good. Okay. Uh, don't forget that you can find us online at facebook.com slash photobomb podcast. You can find our website at photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughestheoretti.com. So it is. My website is com, And you can email us questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later.